The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. In a couple of minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and a team physician with the Chicago White Sox. He's also a sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. I know you're going to enjoy the show. A lot of great topics this week. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're going to go to break. Come back with Dr. Brian Cole right after this on ESPN Radio. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Uh, Ow! That's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. We've got a great blog there. We've got all types of great information. And as a reminder, reach out to us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at SMW Home. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole on this Saturday morning talking about all kinds of things related to uh, sports medicine. And Dr. Cole, how much are we into weight loss since we started this show? You've always been into it, right? I'm trying well, to learn. I, mean, I, I will tell you that I've evolved, and I don't even necessarily think about it as weight loss, although sometimes that is the goal. Keeping fit. Uh, but I would say it's keeping fit, and if you're fit, then it's maybe less about weight loss than it is about the balance of sort of lean body mass and kind of turning your body into a furnace. But the reality is that there's I have patients not infrequently who are suffering from pain. Typically, it's load-related pain. Like if you look at how people uh, function, they come in, let's just say they have arthritis of their knees, right? They don't have pain when they're sitting doing nothing. They have a little more pain when they get up and walk. They get more pain when they go up and downstairs. They carry their kids or their dog and increase load. Same thing. Every pound they carry above their knees is magnified about five to seven times. <clears throat> so I tell patients that, and it's, and it's not. A, you can have that conversation, but you got to do it in a way that is sort of factual, and they often appreciate it and don't take it personally. The real challenge is, though, once you recognize, is what do you do to actually get to the next level? I can tell you, I'm not equipped as much as I think I know. I'm certainly not equipped to make it happen in the office. you got to help them register the problem and then give them a solution. All right, let's bring on uh, Steve Malk. He's with us. He is the Vice President of Weight Loss Operations for Revolution Physical Therapy and Weight Loss out of uh, Chicago. And uh, thanks so much for joining us in studio on this Saturday morning, Steve. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, boy, what's interesting, I want to hear more about the, what you guys do, but give us first uh, your definition of successful weight loss. It gets thrown out a lot, you know, about what is weight loss and what is defined as successful weight loss. A lot of people... They want the quick fix. They want to lose the 20, 30, 40 pounds in five to six weeks. And as we all know by now, you, you can't keep that off. So before we get into this whole discussion, what is the scholarly definition of successful weight loss? If you look at the research, if a patient, client, whomever, can keep 10% of their body weight off for over a year, we in the health and wellness world define that as successful weight loss. So it's not about losing all the weight as quickly as you can. It's about losing the weight and keeping it off. 70% of patients who complete a commercial weight loss program gain the weight back. Yeah. Let let me ask you a question. Like the patients I deal with do often need weight loss. Mm -hmm. But then there's, I've often thought of it as, is it always weight loss? Or what I was alluding to before, is it sometimes just sort of redistribution? Like in other words, you can, 
how do I say it? Like, you know, we have this term, sort of the skinny fat person, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they may still have visceral body fat, but not mm-hmm. look like fat or overweight or whatever their goals are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a thing, a skinny fat person. That says, Steve, I may not sound politically correct, but that's yeah. a thing. Okay. And, I, what I that, see it. and what that means is that, you know, they tend to, people tend to have visceral fat. It's distributed in a, in a way that actually puts them at high risk for cardiovascular disease. And yet they are, quote, skinny. Mm-hmm. So how often is it losing weight versus not only losing weight or change, but rather changing proportion of sort of the bad stuff, which is either body fat or visceral fat, and then gaining lean body mass on top of it, you, which is really important. You hit it right in the head. You have to be looking at losing the right weight, losing fat mass and gaining lean mass because lean mass supports joints and it burns fat at rest. So obviously, like you said, losing that one pound, every pound you lose five to seven pounds of the joints is important, but in the physiological bigger picture, it's really about cardiovascular fitness and having that good lean mass. The reason that we still do put a higher focus on the actual pound number is more practical. I always say it's 50% physiological and it's 50% practical. If a patient is doing the program, over my experience in four years, we could tell them that so we're blue in the face. Hey, it's right. not about the pounds. Right. And, and, and they'll get it, but in their mind, if they're not seeing the pounds come off, they're not going to want to keep doing it. So we try and really maintain the proper balance of helping them understand that point you made exactly, but also helping feed into what they want to see, which is the, the scale go down, which keeps them motivated to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, one of the things, like just from a practical point of view, I've been able to get you a number of patients at Revolution mm-hmm. who are just simply, they have excess BMI. So BMI is weight over height. Right. And that is a reflection of body weight. So obviously you could take the same person, they start to lose weight. So the reason they actually get insurance coverage for it is because they meet a certain BMI. Right. So the programs that, you know, I, I, I was really excited to have you on the show because I will tell you I've had very good success with a number of patients who have really had no programming. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't even own a scale, right? right? But once you explain to them the benefits and that could keep them out of the operating room or if they need surgery, they are much more likely to have a good outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're in. And then you say, you know what, just hand me over and let me get taken care of. So just give me a thumbnail of what they're going, because I rarely have the chance to talk to them, but I will tell you that, you know, kudos to you guys because we've had a number of patients who it has changed their lives. And it's taken about six weeks, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's sustained. You know, mm-hmm. that's always the challenge. But the ones that we've had the opportunity to get over there, um, and including, frankly, my own kids started early mm-hmm. on there for strength and conditioning and yep. got great results yep. and really set this path for them going forward, and mm-hmm. they're still good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but so what do you guys do? What does that six weeks look like? You know, it, it's really laying the foundation for long-term sustainable habits. It's a multidisciplinary approach. Every clinician has a master's level degree. It's an exercise physiologist, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and then what we call a motivation manager who is either a licensed clinical social worker or a clinical psychologist. And the biggest thing that we do is really just take those professionals and put them under one roof and have them communicate and have them work together. These are all services that Patients use for weight loss, but they use them separately. Right. They have so a, a trainer. disciplinary approach. Right. They have their yeah. trainer. We put them all under one roof and really focus on getting them those initial results to get them bought in and then making sure the program is feasible long term. And we do that using uh, very comprehensive testing, metabolic heart for the resting metabolic rate, their submax anaerobic threshold. We train using heart rate zones. So it's very scientific but also practical approach. Our guest, Stephen Malk from Revolution Fitness and Weight Loss talking about sustaining weight loss. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. It is Sports Medicine Weekly. You might have answered this already, Steve, but I was going to ask you what's more important, uh, being fit or not having fat? Sure. It's, you know, it's a big question because you have people who start a, a workout program and they step on the scale and they, they don't see the pounds go down that they want. And the research has now shown that independent of all the risk factors, 
cardiovascular fitness is most important for long-term decreasing your risk of cardiovascular metabolic disease, independent of all the risk factors. So that's the risk factor. What about for weight loss? What's more? I mean, so that comes up a lot. Right. You got guys who are touting cardio-free workouts to get the same thing. Right. So that I agree with you. That is mm-hmm. the data supports that. Mm-hmm. Is that the same MO for people coming in for weight loss? Well, the, the, the trick is, so it's looking at their METs. So what VO2 max or METs can they achieve is their most important indicator mm-hmm. of long-term health and wellness. The caveat is, is how many overweight people are going to have a high cardiorespiratory fitness? Because right. if they're carrying excess weight, they're either going to get injured or they're going to stop exercising. Right. So, right. you know, when someone is overweight, the, you know, the research says that the cardiovascular fitness is most important. But now I just read some research actually last week that Dr. Greg Wallin forwarded me that even just nutrition, weight loss from nutrition, and actually losing, de- not losing, but decreasing the size of your adipose tissue yeah, right. and the ability to improve your fat uptake, your oxygen uptake because right. there's less fat. So that research supports that the weight loss itself, independent yeah. of exercise. Yeah. There's, there's actually some fascinating research that even shows in osteoarthritis mm-hmm. that independent of load, mm-hmm. body fat content is super inflammatory mm-hmm. and leads to symptoms-related arthritis. So mm-hmm. there's a, 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 it's not just the obvious, which is, I'm heavy. Right. It's that there are huge physiologic concerns, not the least of which is cardiovascular disease. So right. I think what we're learning is that nutrition is a huge part of it, Absolutely. an enormous part, mm-hmm. that weight doesn't tell the whole story. But I, I agree with you. I think patients who haven't done much need something tangible. Mm-hmm. Giving them a number, letting them float that number down is a reasonable thing to do. And mm-hmm. the right things are happening, maybe for reasons that they don't understand, but the right things are happening. Mm-hmm. And then getting them in some regular program that they can that's sustainable, that's not overwhelming, that they don't get sick of. So I, I guess, do you have a sense now, just in sort of finishing this up, of how good you're doing in these people sustaining these programs after they leave your care? So UIC is published in Physiotherapy Theory and Practice, October two, 2017 version. We're going to have our outcomes published. It's awesome. an accepted manuscript. Our average weight loss is 12 pounds over eight weeks. We have not published our follow-up data yet, which is what you're referring to. Yeah. But the raw data shows that patients keep up about 12% of their weight over a year after a year follow-up. That's great. So, Fantastic. That's retrospective yeah. data from 2004. 14, 15, and 16. That's your, terrific. Your website? Uh, Revolution PTWL. We're also on Facebook at Revolution Physical Therapy and Weight Loss. RevolutionPTWL.com. Steve Malk, the Vice President of Weight Loss Operations for Sustaining Weight Loss. Good stuff. If you've got questions for Steve Malk regarding sustaining weight loss, you can find us on Facebook and message us on Facebook at Sports Medicine Weekly, and we'll take your questions. We'll give them to Steve. Right, Doc? That's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to take a break. So let's take a break right now. Back with more sports medicine talk after these messages. On ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-day transformation cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this whole foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean V vegan protein blend, fat-burning MCT lean MCT oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Atlasource, is an innovative, cost-effective fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit Prochondrix.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. 
Back on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. We're with Felix Reyes running the board today. I'm Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. And uh, Dr. Cole, let's talk a little bit about uh, in sports, um, how old is too old? All right. Uh, isn't it funny that we're seeing, you know, Tom Brady at age 39 continue to win Super Bowls? Uh, Florida Panthers right winger Yarmer Yager uh, turning 45. Uh, isn't it really something? And what are you seeing in your office? And tell us about how the body breaks down and what you need to do when you when you get older. I'm feeling it at my age. Well, I, I will tell you that um, I frequently see individuals who you would never expect to be as fit as they are come into my office with new injuries that just blow me away. I've had for I had a guy last week who is 57 and he so I walked in the office and he's probably a listener so hopefully he'll appreciate this. And um he my physician assistant presented he says look he was lifting he felt some forearm discomfort and uh he's also a, a fitness model. And uh fitness model? Well, I don't know if he yeah, I think he does. I think he does photo shoots and would be considered I guess as a fitness model, but he's doing it for you know, fitness and physique training, right? Which there's all reasons to work out. Some people do strength. Some people do these these fitness shows, which are for muscle mass and proportion and things like that. And others do it for this sort of modeling and physique type thing, you know. But the important thing that I see is that the guys who come in who are the most fit, like this guy had, uh, he told me he had a 2% body fat. Now, the lowest I've ever seen, okay, was at least as an athlete, I think it might have been Ben Gordon. I think he was four. Former Bulls player. Yeah, former Bulls player. Wow. Um I'm sure there's guys who might be lower, but I don't know how you get to two. And how do you get to two at 57 years of age? It's amazing, um, huh? So, you know, we had a long talk. It was interesting. You know, thankfully his his injury was a, a minor thing. So we spent the next 45 minutes talking about diet and exercise. Because and, I'm really fascinated by the concept of how, as an adult, you can actually get reconditioned. You know, you and I have talked about that. We haven't had this topic in a long time, but you're asking a great question. You can know, we bring this guy on the show, by the way? Yeah, I would love weeks, to have him. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. find out what he does. Well, he's a, I'll let, I'll, he would probably love to do it. He's a great educator. I actually talked to him uh, last night mm-hmm. um, because uh, he I, afterwards we exchanged uh, you know numbers and he texted me. He says, look, let's talk about diet, You know what your, what your nutrition is. Because we both said, you know, look, 85% of it is diet. You know, you don't exercise to eat you eat to exercise and that's a really important concept right it is i agree i agree you know like it's interesting my 15 year old who's trying to build muscle mass but also burn fat at the same time has been on this calorie restriction thing and he hasn't been feeding himself enough and if you don't eat sufficiently then you can't actually metabolize properly so in actuality if you're doing intense exercise and you're also trying to get lean or lose weight the problem is actually the opposite. You're not getting enough calories. That's just one way. That's one problem that people have. Although I see people at the gym saying, okay, I worked out hard today. I go, I can go get a beef for a sandwich or a pizza, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's, but that's, I think that's, that's, that's an upside. That, yeah, no, that's, yeah. it's backwards and upside down yeah. uh, because it really poisons the I'm well. saying that's the other side of yeah. that, right? No, it's the other side, but it's the wrong side. Right. I mean, and look, it depends on your goals. And I'm not saying you have to be ultra neurotic about this. Um, uh, and you should allow yourself to cheat periodically as long as you do it properly. Uh, which means it's the last meal of the day and it's not in excess, that moderation concept. But when you're seeing, um, like you mentioned, Tom Brady and, and some of these elite athletes, I mean, it's not going to be long where we will routinely see professional athletes in their 40s. And I think that's because we have an understanding of um, uh, physiology. We understand hormones better now. Uh, we understand nutrition, which is a huge, enormous part of this. And I think we understand recovery and we understand about injury prevention. The one challenge is that while I think cardiovascularly, our, you know, our VO2 max, our cardiac and pulmonary lung capacity, all of these parameters that allow us to be really fit and active, are, are, we learn about how to maintain them and we learn about recovery and lactic acid and getting rid of that and, and warm up and the, the benefits of cold and contrast baths and all these things and massage. 
there is a problem with our tissue that can only hold up so much. So the guys that I see are the ones who are amazingly fit, who end up tearing their pec muscle in their shoulder, who, or who tear a biceps tendon at their elbow, or tear their Achilles tendon, or pull or strain a muscle, because the problem is, like it or not, we do get deterioration. We sort of, for lack of a better semantic, we sort of rot from the inside out, and we don't know it until something breaks down, because our collagen content is always changing. So you and I can't control that part. And there's also that genetic factor as well. But tissue, unfortunately, can't always hold up. Would I say that we should start giving things up because of that risk? No. I think, you know, the truth is, if something breaks, most often we can fix it, you know. And I would much prefer a guy to have uh, reduce his cardiovascular risk profile, improve his aerobic profile, and get his LDLs down, you know, his cholesterol profile improved, his HDLs up and his LDLs down through exercise, reduce hypertension, reduce the chance of diabetes, reduce obesity, and take the chance of maybe getting a musculoskeletal injury if you have to weigh the two. You know, because you can't, you get to a certain point with heart disease, you can't reverse those things. But if something were to tear, you know, like it or not, it's generally fixable. Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole talking uh, about uh, different sports injuries and the age effect. And I want to ask you, Dr. Cohen, you're doing surgery. I mean, can you, let's say you did surgery on this 57-year-old with 2% body fat. Yeah. If you were to, to, you know, be in surgery, could you tell, wow, this is a guy that's that's highly conditioned or are his joints his muscles, his, well, you know, the cartilage and everything, different, a lot different than mine, which... I think the only thing you would see is, you know, for, frankly, you know, I mean, the reality of surgery is you got to go through skin and you have subcutaneous fat and everything else. So I can tell you, especially around the knee, depending on how people carry it, uh, it obese people, for example, can be a real challenge in surgery. And we, unfortunately, we see a higher propensity of knee pain and knee problems. How is it, it a challenge? Well, just physiologically, you got to cut through fat. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the risk of infection, blood clot, all wow. these other things and stiffness all go way up. So not only do the, the, are the incidence of these problems that I deal with, at least in the lower extremity, higher and people have higher BMIs and body weights, but managing them and getting a good outcome becomes more challenging. But yeah, there's a difference at surgery. But I, you know, look, age is age. And I think there's a genetic clock that all of us have that we can't control and you, you can't control who your parents are. But I think what we're learning is that we can optimize our health from a better understanding of strengthening and conditioning and nutrition. And I think the take-home is, again, that nutrition is an enormous part of it. Frequency and periodicity and workouts on a regular basis, an enormous part of it. 30 to 45 minutes, at least three times a week. Um, and that balance is the best we can do. And every once in a while I see these real almost freaks of nature that are incredibly inspiring. And it's because they have the will, they've been doing it for a long time, and they're completely engaged and they prioritize it. So there's always something to learn from these these individuals. Yeah, I'd like to, again, get that gentleman on who... Uh, I think he would do it. Yeah, yeah. Did he give you any hints about diet? Uh, oh, yeah, quick, we had yeah? a long talk. Yeah, we, right? we talked about what's, it a what's, bunch. What's the take-home? What's, uh, what's quick little oh, things about... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of it is in, in part what Karen Malkin espouses. Um, and um, I think she's spot on with the things that she talks about, which is why we love having her on the show. Um, but I would say, you know, if you want to just look at diet, it's actually pretty simple. I mean, it's lean proteins, it's things that are white, it's, it's things that are green and the periphery of the store and not processed and, uh, MCT oils. And, you know, a typical breakfast is, is egg whites and spinach and, 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 uh, avocado for a good fat, um, and, uh, uh, oatmeal with blueberries and then, uh, not MCT snacking. oil, as she yeah. said, start with yeah, a teaspoon, a, ta- a teaspoon going up to a tablespoon a day and lunches are lean and it's turkey, it's spinach, it's brown rice, it's things like that. It's actually not bad food. It's, it's actually, I think a little bit more expensive for some it takes time to prepare. Uh, and the trick is to always bring it with you. I mean, from your perspective, if you're working all day and you don't take it with you, you're much more likely to, to compromise what you're eating. Yeah. So, and then dinner is, you know, the, the same stuff. It's sweet potatoes, it's fish, it's lean meats. And occasionally quote cheating is not such a bad thing. 
you know, and then it's and after dinner you're done. And then the other thing that's interesting is if you're if you're lifting weights is trying to get enough protein and, and the proper protein throughout the day. So for example, if you know at my age and what I'm eating, I'm really supposed to be about 150 to 175 grams of protein a day. That is really hard to do. That's a lot. It's, but it's the it's the number. In Where fact, do you get it from? Well, I do now. I do whey protein. You know, I get 24 or 25 grams per scoop, and I do that. I do about 75 of it through that. And then what I do you mix it with? Just water. Okay. And it's not bad, actually. Um, uh, and then um, I do that, you know, as a protein shake around a workout, and I put MCT oil in that. And then, yeah, I get my other lean protein just from my food throughout the day. Look, I'm far from perfect, and I'm kind of on a kick now, You're so trying, it's to talk about it. But yep. I've learned a lot. Even if you don't go to that excess, if you do it in moderation, it has real benefits that come. So it's tough to, you know, You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm not the perfect, uh, you know, incident of, of uh, or, you know, example of health, but um, Karen Malkin and just being around you has helped me. Good. I'm I mean, glad. I feel thinner. I feel better. Um, I just ordered some MCT oil the other day because my other one ran out. Yeah. And you know what? To put a teaspoon in, that's not a uh, big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's what it's 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 you can't smell it, you can't yeah, taste no, it. Right, you know, exactly. I mean, it's you know, exactly. yeah, that's it's a miracle food. Yeah, you yeah, know, right. And there's a lot of easy it does things amazing like things for you. Yep. Good stuff. Got to take a break. That's Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. More conversation talking about sports medicine after this on ESPN Radio. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Be sure to follow our blog for lots of valuable content on fitness, nutrition, sports injury prevention, and treatment. The website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Dr. Cole, we recently had something posted on the blog uh, regarding uh, muscle healing, correct? It's a big topic, Steve. Um, I can just tell you. Having experienced myself, muscle muscle tendon injuries are still one of the most common injuries we see. I can tell you in the NBA it's one of the most common we see, and we see a ton of them in the NFL. And more importantly, it happens to mainstream individuals who just want to be active, calf strains, hamstring injuries, things like that. Yeah, I'm always thinking ACL, and those are tendons and ligaments, right? right. And you've got cartilage, but these are muscles. Right. So just let's give you a little anatomy lesson. So um, ligaments connect bone to bone, Yep. right? And when a ligament gets uh, torn, uh, that's... Uh, basically a uh, a sprain, right? It's a form of a sprain, but a sprain is really a tear. Okay. okay. So that connects bone to bone, ligament. Uh, tendons, okay, uh, are go from muscle, tendon to bone. Okay. So a ligament is bone to bone, right? Right. And when they get sprained, they um, they are torn, and there are different grades of sprains for 
ligaments, okay. bone to bone. Tendons connect to muscle. On one side of a tendon, it goes into bone, and the other side goes into the muscle. So when a muscle contracts, it pulls on the tendon, so there's all one structure, and that tendon connects to bone. Wow. And when that gets injured, that's a strain. Not a sprain, but a strain. You don't need to know all that, but it's important to sort of basically understand it. So the most common place for a muscle injury is not in the belly of the muscle, but it's right where there's a transition between the muscle and the tendon. We call that the muscle-tendon junction. That makes sense. Yeah. So it you really see, does. Like if you have calf injuries, it's tennis player's calf, someone you see it all the time, and guys like us who are out, they're playing on a Sunday afternoon, they stop short, they push off very forcefully. Next thing you know, they get this boom in their calf and it swells up and it's very painful and you're out six to eight weeks or the bicep muscle so the biceps muscle thing actually is rarely muscle tendon that one is a different one the tendon is small relative to the bulk of the muscle so that one pulls directly off the bone at the elbow so that's a different type of injury wow so anyhow muscle injuries very common yeah let's bring on our next guest from athletico they do a wonderful job really all over the country brian whittington is our guest a physical therapist facility manager up in kenosha wisconsin and our topic is the three phases of muscle healing. And, uh, Brian, thanks for, so much for joining us uh, here on this uh, Saturday morning on Sports Medicine Weekly. What muscle healing stage uh, do you typically see patients? Well, there's three stages of uh, muscle healing. You've got sort of the destruction phase. You have an initial repair phase of a muscle. And then you've got a third phase, which is sort of a maturation of that of the healing uh, muscle and so typically we see our patients more in that second phase so more in that uh, repair phase of the muscle healing and this is typically because we're um, able to start to do some exercise with the patient we're able to do some range of motion some stretching starting with some beginner level strengthening Um, but while we see them in that second phase we would always like to see a patient if possible in the first stage so when they initially start to injure um, that muscle. And that's mainly because it allows us just to educate the patient. Even if we're not doing a lot of physical activity, we're able to educate the patient on what's normal, what's not normal, what to expect, and their recovery. And I think that can really lay a good foundation uh, for the patient's subsequent healing. All right. So basic question, what about prevention? So you, you have a lot of understanding about muscle injury, muscle healing. If you had to give you know, our core audience, we have a broad range, but let's just say the guys who are getting these types of injuries are in that 40 to 60 your age range. And those are the ones that we're seeing calf, hamstring, sometimes quadriceps, things like that. What's the what's the greatest uh, way to prevent these from happening in your eyes? Hmm. Uh, probably what I see most is the uh, misunderstanding between stretching and warming up for most our, our athletes, or even just sort of the weekend exercise or anybody just trying to do some fitness. And so uh, we see a lot of people stretching before their exercise, and the stretching is not necessarily bad, but we want them to warm up, which is, is performing a little bit of physical activity before they do. So for instance, if you're a runner, doing a little bit of walking before you um, are actually running, that allows the tissue to sort of warm up and it allows the tissue to actually move a little bit better and that will reduce your chance of getting a muscle injury um, sometimes a little bit better than stretching initially before you you do an activity so so uh, one of the things we hear frequently and we've said this recently is sort of baseball players throw to throw they do the muscle patterns but at a lower intensity so what you would advocate is sport specific warm-up where you do some dynamic warm-up not just static stretching and ballistic stretching, that's pretty much gone by the wayside. Is that fair to say for the most part, unless you have some specific injury or tightness patterns? Yeah, absolutely. And so we're, we're doing with our, a lot of our athletes, you, know, you can get five to seven minutes of a dynamic warm-up. That's going to be much better than uh, standing around and doing some static stretching. Okay, so uh, let's say you have muscle injury and now you need treatment. 
uh, give me the top three things as a physical therapist that you do. For our muscle injuries, well, we're going to, um, there's a couple of things that we can do for the muscle injuries. One of them, especially when you're starting to get towards the uh, end phase of that muscle healing, we can do some specialized techniques um, such as uh, things called Graston and ASTEM. These are instrument-assisted soft tissue uh, techniques that, that help regenerate the muscle tissue and help decrease the scar tissue. And so the important part with that is the uh, when a muscle is healing, you get the muscle, um, the tissue to sort of, it, it's placed in a random orientation. So I sort of think of this as the tissue is sort of like a ball of yarn. It's sort of all twisted up and it should be in straight parallel lines. And so some of these uh, instrument assistive techniques we can do can help that muscle regenerate in a more normal, natural way. And that can help reduce some of the um, some of the restriction that you get in the muscle healing. Uh, some other things that we do for the patients early on is we help um, with reintroducing some normal muscle, muscle movement patterns. So after an injury, a, a patient um, sometimes can lose or, or sort of their muscle forgets how to fire in the correct pattern. So some of the things we're doing is not just strengthening and stretching, but trying to facilitate proper movement back to a, a patient after a muscle injury. The website is athletico.com. Brian Whittington out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hey, Brian, great stuff. Uh, good conversation. Really appreciate you uh, discussing the uh, phases of muscle healing here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator and producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.